the Buddha Belly Podcast. I am your host, Brent Buddha. My guest today is a director of North America Channel and Alliances at the company R-Store, a former account executive as at such companies as Tread Micro, Optive, Opsource, and Exodus, as well as a big and small game hunter, also known as my father, Craig Buddha. Thanks for coming in. <laughs> You're welcome. Yeah, so I guess the first thing that I wanted to ask is, uh, so you're a director of North American Channel and Alliances. What does that mean, and what exactly are your responsibilities in that position? Yeah, so for the last 25 years, I've always been a sales rep at a high-tech company. I've always been the first sales guy that uh, that company was hired to make ring and get business going. And at this company, our store, which I joined two years, I just had my two-year anniversary, I was the first sales rep, um, brought in a bunch of clients, but I also brought in a bunch of uh, channel partners and technology alliance partners. So channel partners are um, companies that are in business to, you know, to resell your product. Um, so they, you know, they brought me a lot of business. I, I figured instead of me going and cold calling all these customers, I'm going to go recruit my own sales force, which is my channel partners, and and create this channel program to help me win business and help the company, you know, get more business. So, um, and then on the alliances piece, those are other technology companies that integrate with our product um, and make a good solution for the clients. So. Um, you know, companies, so they don't really resell our product or we don't resell their product. But what it does is it makes a packaged good solution, uh, our products together uh, for the client. And hmm. so I manage the whole program um, North in North America for the company, both on the channel resale, you know, partner side, and then on, on the, uh, on the alliances side. Oh, okay. Uh, so the alliances are technology companies that play nice with our product, that okay. with our technology. So like people you do just regularly do business with. Right, right. It, it just in a nutshell for the people that don't follow business. <laughs> and so just dumb it down for them a little bit. Yeah, they're just, know? they're business partners. They're friends, friends of the family. Uh, okay, yeah. All right, and... All right, so now we have that all cleared up, and so, all right, let's get to the big enchilada. Um, you have a very fascinating story about uh, one of the companies that you were a part of when it was starting up, and that would be the company of uh, Ex Exodus, correct? Yep. Yeah, so uh, when did Exodus actually officially like start? Was it like in a garage like Apple? Was it <laughs> like, what was the setting like? Was there well, a Wozniak was, uh, with a perm? It was actually two, two guys from India and a uh, uh, Filipino Marine Sergeant, former Marine Sergeant sharing, sharing office space in a uh, incubator in San Jose um, and came up with the idea. So, um, Kind of goes back to how I started in technology sales. I, uh, as you know, I played college baseball at Chico State, and I went over to Italy and, and played some pro ball. And I came back to get my master's because I was going to be a college baseball coach. Well, 
it's right when your mom and I were engaged, and you know, she oh, was, tell that story she, about how you got actually got the job. <laughs> right. So she she um, she was working at the at the mall in Santa Clara, running a retail store, and and I was you know coaching baseball, going to school at night to get my master's, and we were you know need more money, so I went to Manpower. Uh, which is a temp agency, and said, "Hey, I need you know I need to work like six hours in the morning, like six to noon, because I needed to be on the baseball field at at, at one." And uh, they put they they got me a job at this uh, this reseller channel partner of Cisco's in Los Gatos um, called Federal Communications, and my job was to smile and dial. I just had to pick up the phone and make appointments and try to sell stuff over the phone. Um, for the outside sales guys, and I started doing really well. And uh, <laughs> um, one of our manufacturer reps um, that we resold his product at this company, um, he was Fred Sabayan, who was the Filipino Marine sergeant that started Exodus with the two Indian gentlemen. Well, wow. so like some uh, veterans like got behind the wheel. Oh yeah, Purple Heart too. So he's oh really? So he took War. a. Vietnam War hero, Fred Sabine. Oh, wow. So he took a bullet. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh. oh. Sergeant Sabine. Sergeant Sabine. <laughs> if that's not a TV show, I don't know what is. <laughs> so he took a liking to me, and we started playing golf. He'd take me out to lunch, and, and he, he said one day, he said, you know, Craig, he said, sales or athletes make good salespeople. He goes, you should think of it as a career. And I said, how so? And he said, um, you know, teamwork. Um, always wanting to win, uh, work ethic, it's the same, right? Same being a, being a competitive athlete and a competitive salesperson. So he said, uh, I shared this office space with these two Indian guys and, uh, you know, we were going to, we're going to start an internet company and I want you to be my first salesperson. I said, first of all, I don't even know what the hell the internet is. <laughs> For all people my 25 and younger, yeah, there was a time when we had no internet. It was a fairly new concept. Right. And people like my father here were ignorant to the whole idea of like, it was like a science fiction book or a science fiction story to them yeah, at that I point. Yeah, I didn't turn a computer on. I didn't, you know, I didn't take a computer class in college or anything. We had, so I said, you know, first of all, I, I don't know what the internet is. Second of all... Um, I'm going to be a college baseball coach. You know, that's what I want to do. <laughs> right. So, because you're an athlete your entire life. Right. Right. So he didn't take no for an answer. And at the time, you know, uh, your mother and I became friends with Fred and his wife, Sherry. And, you know, we'd gone out to dinner, had a few glasses of wine in the past. So, um, he decided to take mom, my wife to dinner and, lay out the comp plan, the commission plan, um, and how much money I could make. Next thing you know, she comes barging through the door and says, uh, you're going to do this. <laughs> and if you don't like it, you can go back to coach baseball. So, I, you know, I said, okay. So I, I did it, and I walked in the door. And if people saw the house that we live in, obviously the money is nice. <laughs> Um, so I walked in, you know, the, the door and at that time we were called net USA. Um, I was number five employee. We were seven people. I was the only sales guy, the first sales guy. And at the time, um, we were selling, I was selling, uh, 
dedicated dial-up internet connectivity, um, ISDN connectivity. But the smart thing that our CEO, our two founders said was, we're only going to focus on business. We're only going to sell to business. We're not going to sell to mom and pop at home. At that time, they you know they had dial-up dial-up connections to Netcom or PSI. You probably hear those commercials where it goes. And it oh, downloads. oh, yeah, that's yeah, that, that, that's really? how we got on the internet back then. <laughs> oh my gosh, yeah, where it took forever just to <laughs> right, download. Right, just to ch- 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 so they figured, hey, businesses are going to start using this internet thing, and they're going to need larger connections and faster connections, right? So I walked in. I had a phone and a riches guide, no computer. A riches guide at that time was a think of it as a yellow pages for business. And it had every business in the Silicon Valley, the list of the executives, their telephone number, and their address. Yeah, today we just Google right. Facebook, so, type in a name. So um, <laughs> We're spoiled. You know, from, from 8 a.m. till 6 p.m. at night, I was just pounding the phones, getting appointments. And we started selling it, man. I mean, we were selling it to, to, to businesses. And then... Um, we uh, there was another company called Net USA back east, so they sent us a nasty letter and said, "Hey, um, you need to change your name." And <laughs> oh, so you almost went to war just over yeah, naming and I still rights. have my Net USA. I have all my business cards. It's funny because Fred used to print off my business cards in a sheet, and used to have to tear them out, tear them off, <laughs> <laughs> so they're all perforated on the edges. Oh, really? Those are my business cards. And I had one suit that your grandmother bought me that changed colors in the light. Wait, it changed colors in the light? <laughs> Everybody talks about this famous suit. Oh, my suit. gosh. Did you go through an LSD phase? <laughs> uh, <laughs> like, was... um, do you know how many people in Isla Vista alone or in San Francisco would kill for one of those just to go to clubbing? Oh, I think I still have it. Do you still have it? I think it? Mom still saved it. You could probably, saved. You could... She saved all my suits and all my shoes. Oh, my gosh. You could... Square-toed shoes. I mean, you oh, no shoes. Way. I mean, you know, I, th- th- those are coming back, by the way. Oh, and I, I was think. famous. I was Once we got bigger and... I'll tell the story, but uh, I was famous for wearing suspenders or braces. You wore suspenders? Oh, yeah, yeah, every day. Like the nutty professor? No, they were, they were, these were badass suspenders. I don't think any suspenders are badass. But they were... I'm I mean, going to piss off at, the hipsters. Go but. watch Wolf of Wall Street and see what they were wearing. They were wearing suspenders underneath their suits. Yeah, they were wearing that. suspenders. And that's um, true. So, you know, we were we were making a name for ourselves. We were doing well. And we started growing and hired more salespeople and, and more more employees. Um, and um, so we had to we had to do a name name change in the company. So how do you do a name change or figure out a name of a company? Back then in the Silicon Valley, you'd have a pizza and beer party. Pizza and beer. And you you bring a, a, a dictionary or a, a thesaurus or I forget, you know, whatever. Nowadays, you take your shoes off, smoke a little grass, and you go on a hike. <laughs> right. <laughs> so um, our network guy. Very blue-collar guys. <laughs> our network engineer guy, he came up with the word Exodus, um, and it had arrows because, you know, the, the packets were exiting, and there was a whole story behind it. But we changed the name to Exodus. Um, uh, tell the folks uh, what he does now for a living. <laughs> no, I don't, I don't think so. Oh, oh, <laughs> He's a little off. Uh, just FYI, he's the man that my dad's referencing to. Let's just say he's eccentric. Yeah, he's very eccentric. So, um, 
so yeah, so we started we start doing well, and um, uh, I was uh, I was selling you know these circuits and these connect connections to businesses, so they could you know do their thing on the internet. This was before companies used the internet for anything, but then they started figuring it out. Um, yeah, you know, this could be a good way to advertise. This could be a good way, you know, this was right about when Yahoo started coming, you know, was, they were the first search engine. Yahoo? Yahoo. Yeah. And I'm, Lycos, and there's, I'll throw some names out there that some of these old timers might remember, and you can look in the history, but, um, yeah. Um, I came across this company called Classified 2000, which later got bought by Yahoo. And he said, Craig, he said, if I, if I buy your connection, I have to buy another connection from the telco. And then I have to hire a geek to manage this big old server over here, which looked like a ref this, this computer looked like a big refrigerator at the time. Oh my he god! He said, "Why can't you just why can't you just take my server and go throw it in your network closet um, at your office?" And salespeople, I never say no. I said, "But I didn't." I said, "Let me get back to you." So I went back to the office and I went to our founders and I said, "Hey, you know, this customer was asking to do this and." I mean, what do you think? And they said, they looked in the closet where all of our gear was, and they said, sure, why not? And I said, well, how much do I charge him? How much will he pay? <laughs> <laughs> That's the big question, right? So the moral of the story, so the, I, you know, listening to the customer and their needs changed our business model and made Exodus uh, famous. And, you know, so what we did was we started we started seeing more of these opportunities, and so we build data centers to house all these businesses' servers and provide them internet connectivity so people around the world could reach their website or do business with them. As soon as we built a data center, we'd fill it up. Build another data center, fill it up. We started going nuts. It's one uh, after the other, dropping yeah, we, like dominoes. If you build it, they will come. Um, then we start, you know, we had an idea to put a data center in every NFL city around in the United States. Oh, I bet you're, you're happy to do business yeah. with the NFL. <laughs> um, so, you know, what's next? You go IPO. Um, so in 1997, we went public. We, our, our stock traded on the, on, the, on the stock market. At that time, I was the number one sales rep in the world. You know, I was the number one sales rep at Exodus every year for five years. Um, and I had a lot of stock. I had founder stock. So, um, we did quite well when we went public. Mom bought me a brand new Jaguar. We bought a new house. I remember that Jaguar. <laughs> it, for, for as long as you had it, it never lost its new car smell. I remember. <laughs> yeah. So we, and we bought a lake house. We bought a lot of new toys. I miss that lake house. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Bad. We, I, we sound like such snobs. I know. I know. <laughs> yeah. But you were making like big Big like bucks. Big bucks back then. Yeah, like you were both on commission and stock. Yeah, our and this... stock, our stock would go to a hundred bucks. Yeah. Split and go to hundred. So it split four times. What does that mean when the stock splits? So, so let's say you have a hundred shares, it goes up to a hundred, right? It splits. Now you have two hundred shares. Oh, okay. So it's like so, add, so it's yeah. basically like adding on. Oh yeah, it was it was, it was oh, the same. Now, man, that's in insane. Mind, this is all. This is all during what's called the bubble, right? This was a, the was internet a, bubble. The internet bubble. We were actually making money, but there was a lot of companies out there that were went public. Stock was outrageous, but they weren't making money. 
and they're not around anymore, like Pets.com or Grocery.com. And Never heard of any of these. Yeah. They're, they're all <laughs> Probably for a reason. And there was IPO parties, and, and, and companies were giving away cars to come work for them. Um, Out was, of desperation. It was crazy times, man. Fun oh, wow. times, but crazy times. Man, the heyday of the internet. Some wild ride, man. Yeah. I mean, I remember uh, Sergey and... Who's Sergey? Which were the two founders of Google. Oh. Yeah, they were in our data center. I met them. They were like these kids, like 15-year-old kids. And I met them. And you met actually, the founders of Google? Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. wow. Look at them now. I know. <laughs> and guess what? They they wanted me to come work for them, and I said no, because I was like, Google, what's Google? You know, oh, I Yahoo. Bet... Yahoo's the best search engine in the world. You guys oh, are going to take on Yahoo? Oh, dude, if you work for Google, <laughs> you'd have two more houses by now. Right. <laughs> like, I, mean, I bet just, you regret that decision. Uh, there's just a lot of stuff I regret, but... Uh, oh, man, you could have worked for I Google. I met some, you know, I got to meet a lot of cool people along the way that started some really cool companies, right? Mm. And who, being on the ground floor was really, really neat. Yeah, who is the, uh, who is the coolest person, like, that's now, like, making a lot of money that, like, like you said, like, you met a lot of people? Who's the coolest person you met, and who's, like, the biggest, like, who did you rather not meet? <laughs> well, probably... The Google guys were cool. Oh, the yeah. guys that started Hotmail, which later got bought by Microsoft, were really cool. Um, let's see, douchebags. Huh? Um, if to, if there were any, <laughs> no, no, there was. I just I just probably blocked them out of my mind. Um, let me get back to you on that one. All right. So anyway, but on Exodus, uh, yeah, um, back to Exodus. You know. Um, we still hold the NASDAQ record for quarter-over-quarter quarter sales growth. I mean, we, we eclipsed Caterpillar on the NASDAQ one. It was, it was crazy. And then I left and thought I was going to be a VC, and Mom started her scrapbook store, and I just wanted to stay home and hang out with you guys and play golf and hunt. And yeah, we were work. like infants. Yeah, like it didn't it. work for a while and invested in a bunch of startups, which none of them ever did anything. Right. <laughs> But, uh, you know, it was, it, was, it was fun. And then I got back into the business. But um, it's a good story. You know, I think, you know, there needs to be uh, a documentary or a movie on it one of these days. Because people my age, people that were in the beginning of the Internet. Like, remember, like, before the Internet and when it came out and, like, how new it was. They and all know who Exodus is. Do they really? What, they, what we did. They all do. I mean, mm -hmm. you said Exodus. Oh, yeah, I remember Exodus. But. So didn't you mention that Exodus basically had an, uh, a part in, like, creating the cloud, the Internet cloud? Yeah, yeah. I mean, pretty much we were cloud, if you think about it, right? Like the I cloud mean, before the cloud? Yeah, the cloud. I mean, Amazon, AWS cloud, is they have data centers. They have their own compute, their servers. They have their own storage, and they have their own Internet connectivity, right? Right. So did we. That's what we did. Although so they're like kind of copy. The only difference was the, the the servers, the compute, and the storage that were in our data centers were owned by the customer. Hmm. That you, makes sense. What do you mean? If you go to Amazon or AWS, all those servers, everything, the infrastructure is owned by Amazon. Customers don't own it; they just rent it. That's why it's they call it the cloud, right? When you don't right. when you don't own anything, you just go use their service on the internet. 
you don't have to buy any data centers, you don't have to buy any hardware, any infrastructure. That's the cloud. Oh, I see. That's so that's the biggest difference. Oh, okay. And yeah, no, that is a really cool story. <laughs> uh <laughs> Shoulda, woulda, coulda. I was, you know. Yeah, you could have worked for Google, man. Way too young to have that kind of money. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. We thought it was going to be that way for the rest of our lives. Blowing it on jaguars, spending it, (laughs) a lake house, a boat, and a jet ski. Oh, two jet skis. You like? Oh yeah, we did. did, We did have two jet skis. I mean, the best thing we ever did. We bought. We bought houses. Yeah, and so that. Thank God. Like you owned property. The stock market crashed, which we were highly leveraged in the stock market. And, uh, Wasn't that like the same crash that was in the Wolf of Wall Street, like in that intro scene? Yeah, it was, you know, it was sad. You know, I saw a lot of tragedies from friends and colleagues that never sold a share, but used it, you know, margin, bought, bought houses on margin without selling anything, and they lost it all. Just uh, lost everything in a bundle? Yeah, it's, it's sad because we, everybody, we all got caught up in it. Right, and mom and I were—I was 27, 28 at the time, and had all this money. Never thought I would ever have, and oh, yeah, putting it in the stock market, you know. Well, yeah, you blow enough air into a balloon, eventually it's gonna pop. Right. So, lesson learned. <laughs> no, <laughs> live and learn. I think I got another one coming here with our store. Knock on wood. So. Yeah. Next time Google offers you a job, take it. Don't even think about it. Just take it. <laughs> well, not only that, it's just whatever money I make on. On this company, you know, yeah, way more conservative. How so? Oh, I won't invest in any startups, and the stock market burned me, so I'm not a big fan. Uh, well, um, that <laughs> that that makes sense. Buy land, um, you know, put it in our retirement kind of thing. Well, yeah, you're definitely at that age where no, no offense. But, well, well, and the other yeah. thing is, we always put money into you guys as a college fund, right? Of course, you can never put too much. And because, as you know, we ran out pretty fast <laughs> they for don't, college tuition. People don't need to know about that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So, yeah, that was in, like, uh, the 90s? Late 90s, yeah. Oh, so yeah. We, we went public in 97. That was when I was born. Yeah. Oh, wow. It's wild. It's a good year. Yeah, they, yeah <laughs> great year, especially for me. I'm here <laughs> talking to you, recording it. Uh, no, yeah, it's like all that money, like just cars, property, like it's it's pretty rock and roll, man. Yeah, property was a good investment, everything else was not. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, no, yeah, speaking of rock and roll, um, like you've actually seen, like, uh, I'm probably one of the few, like, millennial people that's not that big into hip hop or anything like that i'm really big into heavy metal music rock music and stuff like that and you've actually seen a lot of my favorite bands live Mm -hmm. and the story that i wanted you to share was uh like the thorough details of the story of uh when motley Crue played river on the green oh day on the green day on the green that's what it was so back in the day what year was that oh that was before that was when i was in college so probably 88, 89, 90, right around there, late mm-hmm. 80s, early 90s. Yeah, I'm trying to remember if that was before or after. If that was after rehab crew. Yeah, the Girls, Girls, Girls tour. Yeah, that's after rehab. Yeah. So, but, I mean, forever, they 
had Day on the Greens, right? Day right. on the Green was at Oakland Coliseum, and they would have three or four bands, and you know every year kind of change. Well, the one we went to was... Yeah, now we have we just have like music fests these yeah, days. Like yeah, my, OzFest. Yeah, we got OzFest, we got uh, Rockfest, we got... Uh, the Metal Mayhem. Or... Oh, yeah, and then there's that one in uh, Sacramento. Oh, what was that? We it's a, Aftershock. Aftershock. There That's the one I really want to go do. Yeah. yeah. We got so this the... one was uh, Poison, White Snake, and Motley Crue was the headliner. All three of those bands just don't add up. Like, well, I mean, I mean, they're all hair metal. Bands. They're all hair metal bands, but Crew is like a little bit wilder and a little bit more like heavier than well, both they, those they bands. All kind of started at the same time in the same scene. Yeah, they LA did. Yeah, scene. the L.A. Strip, Los Angeles bands. Yeah, so you know, most of the crowd there are pretty hard. Headbanging heavy metal heads, like right? a lot of the leather vests with spikes, well, like yeah, like yeah. dudded up leather <laughs> chicks and big hair. Yeah, and let's let's be honest, you know, everybody really came to see Motley Crue, um, but when um, so Poison came on, and you know they played a few good songs, and then uh, <laughs> Brett Michaels came out with his with his acoustic guitar and the slow music. For every rose has its thorn. For a giant scene of like metalheads that like right one the mosh pit, and they booed his ass so. The hard. crowd booed him. Oh, they booed him so hard, and he was flipping everybody off. And, <laughs> uh, it was it was hilarious. <laughs> it was hilarious when that was the when Tommy Lee first started doing the the rotating drum. Oh know, yeah, the roller coaster. The roller coaster drum, drum set. Go, you know, the elevate and the I don't know spin. how you that's insane how you could play drums and like to, as you're upside down like rotating like that. It was pretty cool. I'm pretty sure cocaine helped. <laughs> at least in the beginning. <laughs> it was a great concert. It was a great concert other than the, the every rose has its thorn. Well, that's actually is kind of cool because just that that part is pretty funny. I was never really that big into Poison, you know. I mean, I like them. I like a few of their songs, and Brett Michaels is cool. I yeah, think. like they. I'm not saying they don't have good songs. Like uh, Every Rose Has Its Thorn, it's a good song when you're by yourself <laughs> or on a date. Yeah, or on a date. Like you play it. I'm assuming like that's a song like in the '80s. Like you play it on the radio when you drive her down up to a cliff when it wasn't creepy back then, so you can get laid in the back seat. Right. Make out point. <laughs> Yeah, it was yeah, make out point kind of music, but not when you're not in a crowd full of metalheads. <laughs> no, no. no, it's like, come on, dude, that's like a a ballad. It was a total buzzkill. Oh, a total buzzkill. <laughs> the cool thing when when White Snake was playing, uh, David Coverdale was dating Tawny Katane at the time. Oh my gosh, she, she was, was smoking hot. She was so hot, like, video. wasn't she in the video, like? Yeah. Uh, what what was it called? Here, Here I, I go, go again. again. Yeah. Oh yeah, Roll she's dancing. On, she's dancing on the car. So she, you could see her backstage. We had, you know, we had binoculars. We were up in the bleeds. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> binoc yeah, so you you had binoculars. Yeah, binoculars. There's Tommy Katane. Oh yeah. Not in the mosh pit. Well, uh, yeah, you're definitely not a moshing kind of dude. No, yeah, but and then you should tell everybody about the first concert you went to. Oh yeah, the first concert that uh, you took me to with uh, Mark Donati, who makes great wine, by the way. <laughs> shout if out it, to Donati Vineyards. Yeah, shout out to Donati Vineyards. I'm looking for sponsors, so <laughs> if you're listening, <laughs> he gave you a hat. <laughs> <laughs>
uh, no, yeah, my first concert ever is when I was, uh, I, I turned 13, and I was really big in it. It was Kiss, the Alive 35 tour. <laughs> I mean, and like they, obviously they were old, they were older, but they could still rock. And we were like eight rows away from Gene. Yeah, we purposely got the seats where we knew Gene was going to be because Brent was such a big fan of Gene. Oh, who isn't? Like and it's Gene, and we could f remember when he spit the fire. We could feel the heat the of the heat from his fires. That was awesome. It was awesome. And then he flew on stage and did God of Thunder. Yep. That was cool. That was cool. Oh, Cherry. Oh yeah, the opening. That that's such an odd uh, band to open for Kiss, though. That you think? I thought so. Like they it, were good. No, no. I that's how I got into Buck Cherry. From like that's how I became a Buck Cherry fan. Is like because of that show. It's just because Buck Cherry. All those guys are like are like modern age, like hard rock, like right. all like all tattoos. Kiss is like forty years older than them. Forty years <laughs> older than them. Like they're all tattoos, singing harder kind of songs and. Uh, like modern day LA Strip, which is like a little bit more punkier, a little bit more hard, hard rocker. At least like in the 2007s and the early 2010s. Now it's all dominated by, you know, the, it's all dominated by hip hop, rap. Yeah, I'm. There's still, I mean, there's still like rock and roll music happening in Los Angeles, but just not as much like these days. Right. I tend to notice, which is honestly sad. Yeah, I mean, look at what happened after the LA Strip. It kind of went up to Seattle with the grunge movement, and then oh yeah, then see in the '90s, Seattle yeah. was like the place to be with grunge music. Right. Yeah. It shifts. Yeah, it isn't that strange. Like it kind of shifts around. Like in the 1970s, it was everyone was going to New York or the Bay Area in the '60s. You know, in the or, yeah. In, yeah, in the '60s, everyone was going to San Francisco. That's where the scene was happening. Then in the '70s, it was in New York with the punk rock scene, right. and then in the '80s, it was back in Los Angeles with uh, hard rock, hair metal bands, yeah. like thrash metal bands, even punk. No, yeah, even punk. Uh, and then in the '90s, it went up to Seattle of all places. Seattle, right. yeah. Nirvana. Pearl Jam, Pearl Jam. Yeah, I'm a huge Pearl Jam fan, dude. I love Eddie Vedder. Uh, all right, so we're coming up on 40 minutes now. So now it's time uh, to get into my favorite part of the segment, which is film. So basically, wanted, basically what I wanted to talk to you about uh, and regarding movies, since you know it's the, you know, I'm a film student and all. Um, now, have you ever noticed that there's really, and being a hunter, have you ever really noticed that there's really not that many movies, like very cinematic movies, that like feature like hunting, like actually, like actually like modern day hunting, I should say. Yeah, I mean, the the only one I could think of is that one with Josh Brolin that was on Netflix about deer hunting. That was kind of a comedy. Yeah, I mean, you look back to the Deer Hunter, and that's the only one. The, that's the only good one. Even the, back to. Jeremiah Johnson and yeah there really isn't um, I think because there's a lot of politics involved these days and anti-hunting and you know uh, yeah. and all that stuff I know um, it's almost like yeah we can make three John Wick movies where he's killing everybody but we can't make it we can't make a comedy about some guys trying to find a deer to kill but we really like a movie when a big grizzly bear eats everybody, I was gonna bring, I was <laughs> like, gonna bring that up. Edge. I was gonna bring that up actually. Like if if 
I recommend anybody see the movie The Edge with uh, Anthony Hopkins, who played Hannibal Lecter, and Alec Baldwin. It is a phenomenal, like, uh, survival kind of movie. Yeah. Like, if anybody out there is, like, really big fans of The Revenant, you will definitely Same, love The Edge. Yeah. It's, like, more of a modern-day uh, survival story where these guys are just getting uh, hunted by this wild grizzly bear and stranded in the middle of the well, Alaska woods. The one with Liam Neeson... Where he oh, the gray. The gray. Yeah, but that's those are more like survival movies, right. not really like hunting flicks. The only if one they're being. I'd say I, people are okay with that because animals are eating people. Well, yeah, animals are eating but, people. But yeah, I think if but you ev showed, if eventually you they do kill the animal. Right, but I I think you know if you showed a movie you know documentary or movie you know of what we do, I don't know if that would go over so well. Yeah, but it also depends like on how you deliver it, and also like what the game is you're hunting. But then again, maybe it doesn't really matter. Yeah, I mean, look at Moby Dick, right? Hunting a whale. So the whale's kind of hunting them. Yeah, but they the, were there, actually whale hunters. Yeah, but there's a, it, it, there's actually more movies about fishing and hunting sea creatures right. than there are like hunting things on land. Like what? Well, What's the divide? Have you ever noticed that no one has any problem with killing fish, but as soon as you, as soon as you hunt something that's like around land or flies in the sky, all of a sudden you're a monster. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I as much as I hate redos, um, you mean there are some good remakes. Ones. Remakes. Yeah. Um, I really think someone should redo uh, Jeremiah Johnson. I think it'd be awesome. I mean, it's been so long. Now, what was that one about again? And that's it like a whole story. So he's actually buried in California. Um, he was uh, he was a soldier in the Civil War and wanted to to be a mountain man. Wanted to be a trapper and mm -hmm. learned learned how to be a trapper and fought Indians and it's really Robert Redford was in it. It's a great movie, one of my all time favorites. But oh, it's Robert Redford. Yeah, he played Jeremiah Johnson. Oh, yeah, I never saw Jeremiah Johnson. Yes, you did. I don't think I have. You remember it. I definitely showed it to no, you. No, I've seen... I know what Jeremiah Johnson is, but I don't think I've actually ever seen it, which I need to check out. And if you guys haven't seen it, my dad's recommendation, Jeremiah yeah. Johnson. Maybe that'd be a re good remake or, you know... Yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe. And as a film student, maybe you could think about some kind of, you know, hunting movie. Even if, even if it was back in the day, you know, where mm -hmm. they had to hunt to survive. No, yeah, like that would be a good... That would be a good one. Or you could even, or you could even make a uh, a movie that can kind of almost appease. Not really. I, I you can't make a movie or a piece of entertainment to appease everybody. No. not everybody's gonna no. like it. But uh, you could also like probably make a movie like I, I like movies like that tackle like wildlife like in the Jeremiah Johnson days like back in like the eighteen hundreds, mm -hmm. where it was like the old. Old West, the old the west frontier. kind of the frontier where there's like native american tribes still roaming around and like they're still like threatening because we're on their land hey, you do one about the italians that came that might immigrated over here in that's california a, that's actually that a good point yeah on fishing oh yeah the seven fishes the seven they ate they ate chipino and they ate all this expensive because they couldn't afford red meat now right. look at turning it the other way around now it's the most expensive thing on the menu. Oh my gosh! Yeah, like I, I, I guarantee you, know how many people have never heard of chipino? No, uh, barely anybody knows what it is. But even crab and stuff that they eat out, 
they used to eat that every day. Yeah, and now it's the most expensive. It's more expensive than a steak. I know. Back then, it was like you a, couldn't afford to eat red meat. Yeah, back then, red meat was like. But you could gold. show how the Italians, how they lived off the sea, mm -hmm. and how they waterfowl hunted. They hunted ducks and geese. Um, they were market hunters back then. You could do that. They were market hunters. They would hunt all these ducks and geese, and not only would they eat them themselves, but they would sell them on the market, just like they would sell crabs and lobsters and fish. Yeah, like like vendors in New York. I think that would be a great story. That actually would be a good story. That would it's be a like cool the story. Like the early, you know, the Depression. No, yeah, the early Depression, and, like, you could probably uh, showcase, like, the Italian stereotype, the mob trying to kind of yeah. come in, like um, the guys selling like geese meat into like and they took into New York even or the something. Baseball stars like that picture I have, you know, of Babe Ruth, Lou Gehrig, and Ty Cobb went duck hunting. And who, what what a picture that is! Right? Like <laughs> the best baseball players in history were yeah. in the San Francisco Bay hunting ducks. My all that's crazy, like and all on different teams, right? Like, <laughs> rivalries on the field, but buddies in the blind. And that's what it's all about, you know. It's, it's, and I've told you this, it's not all about, always about shooting or killing animals. It's the camaraderie, as you know. No, I definitely. You know, look at all our friends. You, you like, you don't really care about, you do like to hunt, but you care about, and I care about is, you know, going to breakfast or going to dinner with the guys or. No, oh, yeah, hanging like, out at the at the Bullsby at the duck camp and chopping it up. Oh no, yeah, absolutely, just shooting shit with everybody at the camp. That's the fun part. That's no, that, what it's all about. That is honestly like my favorite part. Taking about. kids out. Oh yeah, that is really cool. You know, new hunters and oh yeah, experience. no, yeah, the hang is like just as is possibly even more fulfilling than the actual hunt itself. It's like the bonding, the, right? The, That's the, why the camaraderie. You know, hunting lodges, you know that. Yeah. Kind of, you, you cook dinner, you have a few pops and play cards and chop it up, watch football. I mean, that's, yeah. that's the fun and part. Bust each other's balls. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, okay. Now it is time for Buddha's random top five. So these are like random top five questions, uh, like a random top five list. Mm -hmm. And since you're a hunter, uh, Craig, your random top five are five people you would like to go hunting with. Name five of them. Five people I would like to go hunting with. That you haven't been hunting with before in your life? Um, Uncle Ted, Ted Nugent. Okay. Ted, <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, but on his ranch, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you want the invite. Yes, please. <laughs> uh, Uncle Ted, if you're listening. <laughs> Phil Roberson, the duck commander. Duck commander, all right. I I knew that one was coming. Um, I, I'd have to go with the meat eater. Who's the uh, uh, Stephen? God, was it Krill? No, it's Joe Rogan's buddy. Oh no, yeah, that guy, the the show, the meat, the meat eater, eater, that I guy. I can't. I know his first name is Steve. I can't remember his last name. Yeah, you'd want him to take you out. And like, yeah, I'd like to go hunt with him and Joe. Would be badass. Oh, so Joe Rogan. Right. Yeah, well, Joe Rogan would be awesome. I would love to go hunting. I would love just to hang out with Joe Rogan. Probably Jim Shockey. Jim Shockey. Um, Who's Jim Shockey? He's a big game hunter. He hunts all over the world. He's got his own show. Mm -hmm. um, do they have to be hunters? or are they? No, they could be anybody. anybody. Just anybody. Just five people. Um, God, who else? 
even someone that you think that would never go hunting with, but you know, it could be hilarious to watch them try to hunt or like just, or someone just that you admire, like anybody. Mm. I don't know. Those are the top ones. Um. Okay. All right. Let me rephrase for the last one. Someone that you know, or like assumes has never been hunting in their life and like a famous person, someone you think has never been hunted in your life, but you'd like to go hunt, like share a duck blind with. Like just take, get them into it? Yeah, to get them into it. Hmm. I don't know. That's a tough one. Donald Trump. Oh. I'm <laughs> just kidding. No, <laughs> just kidding. Uh, I it could it could be interesting, but I I feel like he'd be talking about himself the whole time. Like, did you see that shot? The shot I just took. It was epic. <laughs> he probably just talked about how great that shot was. Uh, Vin Scully, but he's too old. Um. Mm. <laughs> yeah, big Vin Scully fan. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know, man. Um, All right, how about a baseball player? Just a baseball player you could take hunting. Just to narrow it down. Now, or does it... I mean, Chipper Jones likes to hunt, but he... Like, alive or dead? Alive or dead. Probably Babe Ruth. Babe Ruth? <laughs> <laughs> That's Hang a good one. Just hanging out with the babe in general would be yeah. that would be interesting. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, that would be really cool. Maybe share a cigar. <laughs> Everyone knows the babe loved his cigars, his stogies. Yeah. All right. Well, that's all the time we got. At if anybody's listening, podcast with Brent Buddha. I'd like to thank my guest, my dad, Craig Buddha. Thanks for coming. You bet, man. Good luck. Yeah, and we're gonna end this podcast with my movie and TV recommendations. The first movie recommendation is a film on Amazon Prime called The Silencing, which is a very interesting movie. It actually is uh, set in Canada. It's a thriller about a serial killer that's hunting people for sport, and the main protagonist is a uh, loner that lives in the woods and used to be a big game hunter, so it's basically a story of like hunter versus hunter. It's a good one it to check. the guy that played Jamie Lannister. Yeah, and it stars the same actor that played Jamie Lannister in the hit show Game of Thrones. And my TV recommendation is by far one of my favorite shows that's on. It's currently in its second season, and that is The Boys on Amazon Prime. It is a satirical look at what if superheroes were real and like how power really gets to them. So it take, takes an underground group of ex-CIA operatives to actually kill what they call soups, which are superheroes, and it turns out that superheroes are corrupted by their own power, and they're actually only doing good deeds as a publicity stunt for their own celebrity. And But behind the curtains, they're actually terrible, like, narcissistic and very vain people. It's a very interesting look at, a, like, a what-if scenario kind of universe. Also, check out the, it's based off a graphic novel series. If you want, check out the graphic novel series as well. And if anyone's listening, Sprint Buddha signing off. <laughs>